starting today, the Buffalo Sabres' reason for existence will be to win a Stanley Cup. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the uh, Rant and Run. Oh, almost forgot what I was going to say. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Rant and Run show. Uh, my guests tonight from the Buffalo News, Mike Carrington, and from Spectrum Sports News, Ted Goldberg. Tonight, we're going to talk about, in our third edition, uh, my third installment of State of the Sabres, which has gotten worse every time I have this the last couple of weeks. We haven't won since I started this, but uh, the Sabres have lost seven in a row. They're last place in the NHL in points, which we've come accustomed to, and points percentage, which probably won't have nothing to do with anything because everyone will probably play all their games. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Hey, Ron, you know, there wasn't much going on initially when we first talked about appearing on this thing, and now we're in the middle of this conflagration, and it's just – you know, I'm just in shock. We're even at this point three weeks, and Ted's there every day too. Ted, imagine this one three weeks ago. What would we be talking about now? No chance. I mean, I didn't think it was going to get this bad. I mean, I had my doubts, you know, with kind of once there was the COVID positive, you know, you were kind of thinking, okay, how's it back into it? And then it really seems like uh, Jeff Skinner getting benched was really the first uh, match that started this nuclear dumpster fire because everything <laughs> that has everything has stemmed since then. It started with Jeff Skinner getting benched and everyone saying, this is nonsense. What's the explanation? And the explanation we get is kind of nonsense. And then we have Jeff Skinner who, you know, he said in the, in the Zoom, I don't really get any value. I don't get any extra value from not playing. So he's throwing shade at Kruger. And then Jack Eichel contradicts Ralph Kruger about his injury status. And then Ralph Kruger admits that Rasmus Ristolainen might not be 100% fully recovered from COVID. And he's still playing. And then it's just like one after one thing after another that and now he's going after Jeff Skinner again saying oh you know he's scoring goals and that's how he's always measured his career like okay. <laughs> see Ron basically nothing's been going on nothing's yes, going on right. I, I want to bring up the one thing and obviously we took we saw um Kevin Adams press conference and he did didn't seem like he gave any kind of support or vote of confidence to Kruger but Kruger Friday morning during, I believe he was, I was talking about, listen, we've had injuries, this COVID, there's just so many behind these things. That night during the press conference, Jam says there are no excuses. I don't want to hear COVID. I don't want to hear injuries. The next day after the game, back to the excuses. There is a major disconnect there. And the one thing you remember is he's not Adam's guy. As far as I know, I know Bottle brought him in, but I think, I, I don't think he's Adam's guy at all. Well, I think the way it was set up was to give Kruger too much of the power. The NFL model is the head coach has the power, and the GM is there building a team, but the head coach is the front-facing guy. In the NHL, the vast, vast majority of teams, the head coach is not the front-facing guy. The GM is. The Sabres have it backwards. They're trying to use the football model because that's what Terry and Kim Pagula think will work because it worked with the Bills. It doesn't work in hockey. And now we're in this situation where the team is quitting Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger doesn't know how to get the team out of the funk. He doesn't know what system he's teaching. And the GM is kind of stuck. What moves does he make? How many trades can he make? He doesn't even know who his coach is going to be. And here's the bottom line to me, Ron, is if, if Ralph Kruger is behind the bench Thursday against the Penguins in Buffalo, all bets are off. That, to me, will say that he could stay that the Pagulas just won't pay him off to not coach. And it's incomprehensible to me that would happen, but it's incomprehensible to me he's still the coach now. I mean, I, th I assume he's getting fired Wednesday, but 
how is he still in the job as it is? They don't have a, a ready-made replacement. Why not? Because they fired Chris Taylor last year. So, you know, this dumpster fire could get even worse. The funny thing is, it's like what you were saying with the head coaches. It's almost as if in the NHL, head coaches are just so much more easily replaceable than maybe in other sports. Where we see, you know, St. Louis not that long ago, they fired their head coach in the middle of the season. What happens? They win the cup. How often do you see an NFL uh, team, maybe they start out 4-4, four and four, they fire their coach, and they win the, the Super Bowl that year? When's the last time that happened? I, if it has happened, I know it's been a while. It's just kind of nuts to see, you know, a bad four or five game stretch for Montreal. They fire their coach. I mean, the same in a playoff spot. In a now playoff we remember spot. though. Remember, Montreal and Calgary both fired the coach. In both cases, in both cases, the GM is in trouble. Mm-hmm. So the GM is kind of saving his bacon, trying to save himself by firing the coach. The GM is not in trouble here. I wouldn't no, think he just got hired. It's his first season, and I've got to think that when he took the job, it was at the very least, hey, I need at least 12 months to kind of put my imprint on this thing because otherwise, how do you hire a guy for a team that, you know, you, you give your general manager a vote of confidence, and then two, three weeks later, he's out the door. So right. kind of hard to think. <laughs> if it's like, okay, we're going to hire you, but we're not getting, get, you know, we can't guarantee that you'll have two years on the job. And maybe, you know, Terry Pagula admitted, during the press conference after uh, Kevin Adams was hired, we did not look outside the organization. And then when Kevin Adams was hired, he was not an interim GM. He was just he's just a straight-up GM, which to me is, like, inconceivable. That how First of all, it's, it takes some, it takes some uh, gumption on, on Terry Pagula's part to admit, I did not look outside of the organization for a general manager. You've got to be kidding me! Do you remember what Brian Burke said? When Brian Burke went on the radio the next day, he said this was like something out of some. It was some quote about this is something out of Mars. If I was hired to be an astronomer, I'd have to be an experienced astronomer. I mean, it was inconceivable to me that they hired a GM with no search. And we can argue Adams all we want. If they wanted to hire Adams as a GM as a search, he's one of the candidates I hire him. We can disagree to hire him. They just gave him the job. I still can't believe that's how that went down. And it's I, not a go ahead. Go ahead GM. I, there, there is no AGM. Steve Greeley was fired oh. after that press conference. Greeley was gone and Chris Taylor was gone because we weren't sure, you know, what their status was going to be. Now Taylor is signed on in New Jersey. And Randy Sexton was gone. And Randy Sexton was gone. And it's like amazing. It's like, well, what if they, like, what if this was like a, you know, alternate universe and maybe they fire Kruger tomorrow? What if they called up Chris Taylor and said, hey, the job is yours? Like, is he going to want to come back to this? Like, after how they. Nope. How they did him so dirty? Well, like, I wouldn't say no. I mean, somebody wants a job is a job. So, no, you know, and Kruger no, fired him, right? Well, essentially, Kruger said we can move on. Plus, he made a lot of money. Everything here is related to money. They've cut back. These assistant GMs who were fired, not replaced, both made three hundred thousand and up. You know, but but to me, as I look at this situation, you say to yourself, they don't have a hockey organization here. They don't have. I mean. We can argue about the president of hockey operations. I believe in it. The Pagulas don't. I've said in several outlets, it's their team. They can do what they want. You've got to either have a president of hockey operations to help Kevin Adams or assistant GMs. You can't have neither one. He's alone as a first-time GM. I cannot believe they're running an organization this way. Right. I know when they hired Adams and they said, listen, we've, we've always gone out to the NHL and they've helped us find people. Barrow, I thought, was going to be a good hire. and I, He was a good hire. I mean, he had everything, you know, 10 years experience, the 
architect of the Penguins, uh, Stanley Cups, all that, blah, blah, blah. So uh, there's only a bad hire when it doesn't work. Like when you hired Housley, he's like, okay, he's the next up and coming. Yeah, he's the obvious coach. He's out. It didn't work. So I'm not going to be mad that they hired these people. It just didn't work. Um, and before that, you know, and they finally said, listen, they keep giving us people that didn't work out. We're, we're going to go with somebody we know. And I hear that he's that Adams has been to the board of governor meetings. They've been grooming him for a while, and he knows people. So I I, I, I don't know his resume really, other than what we know. Maybe maybe he'll be the next Jeremy. And remember, Jeremy was working in law office, got called by Scotty Bowman, and a year later he's the GM of the team. So you never know. But he we needs haven't help. seen yet. He needs help. He needs help. We ha- he Jeremy needs help. We have we haven't seen yet how Kevin Adams fully operates. We haven't seen him go through a season. We haven't seen him go through a trade deadline yet. We've seen off-season work. We've seen a draft. Those have been okay. Some of the off-season moves were not good. Some were. I want to see him through a trade deadline. We know Ralph Kruger is not the right coach for this team already. There's no reason to prolong the agony here. We all know it. Every fan knows it. Every media person knows it. If the only people in Buffalo who don't know it or refuse to admit it are Terry and Kim Pagula, there's a real problem. And the one thing is, I'm curious, some people have said, well, maybe they're holding on to him, you know, just because tank commander. For the same reason the Jets didn't get rid of Adam Gase when they started 0-8, 0-9. They just figure, okay, well, we're just going to lose a bunch of games. Who cares who the head coach is? I do wonder, though, if you keep Ralph Kruger, there have been players who's progression and development has really stagnated. I mean, you look at Rasmus Dahlin, you look at Henry yep. Yokomaru, these are guys who excel, you know, playing aggressive and playing up the ice, but it's, they're just not the same player they were last year or two years ago. They're just, they're so much worse, it seems like. And even a guy like Jeff Skinner, like, yes, I know, Mike, you've spoken about, hey, he's a 30, 40 goal scorer. He should be scoring regardless of his line mates. I mean, that's, that's true. And, you know, it's just tough when you have Ted, a- he had no goals until yesterday. He didn't, have, he didn't have 10 or 12. He had none. Zero. I, I know. And people are going to say, and Curtis Lazar had four goals. So right. Times the goal scorer that Jeff Skinner is. <laughs> but here's the one thing you said, which is true. And I don't know the answer to this. I kind of bring this up rhetorically. Darlene and Yoki Haru have had rough times. And some of this is on Steve Smith, the assistant coach, too, in addition to Kruger. But it's hard for me to figure out. I know the scorers, the system is stymieing offense. The thing I really can't figure out here is Darlene and Yoki Haro really regressing and McCabe and Ristolainen having the best hockey of their careers. I don't know how that happens. It should be that they all regress. But the two veteran guys have never been better until the COVID situation happened. And, and the, the young defensemen have just completely gone in the tank. I hate to use that word tank, but that's where they've gone. And the forwards, they can't score. But that's the thing. It's sad. McCabe and Ristolainen were terrific as a top pair until COVID hit. It's, it's funny. Somebody asked me earlier if I had a lineup. What would I, if, I was, if they hired me tomorrow as a coach, what would my lineup be? And I saw all the top three would be Jack centering Skinner and Olofsson and then um, Cousins centering Reinhardt and Hall and then, you know, go Stalta. And somebody said, well, why would you put all this in the top six? He hadn't done anything. I said, well, wait a minute. You're, we're replacing a coach for a reason. It's, I'm not saying he's the reason why Olsen's not scoring a five and five. But Dalene was really good under Housley. Now I'm saying Housley good, but Dalene was really good his first year. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he's being held back. He's like, listen, I know you're Bobby Orr, but I want you to be Larry Robinson for a while. I, if that's a good analogy, I don't know. Um, it's like, why would you hold someone back? I mean, you want the high event. Okay, hey, you know what? You might give up some two or three good bad plays are against, but you're going to make nine, nine minus, I'll take the six positive. So Kruger, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that it's, it's coming up. Why, why don't we just hire, 
I, I don't like using retreads either. I just hired the right coach. And I bet you a Boudreaux or a Galat, probably Boudreaux more than anybody, would be the guy to come in here. And a lot, a lot of people say, well, it's by coach after coach. Maybe it's fine just the players. Well, yeah, but it, Housley was a first-time coach. Um, Cruz really a first-time coach. He really is. Um, you know, he had uh, half a season in Edmonton or a short strike. They have, you know, they haven't had this team in front of them had a real established coach. And I and I can't say that, well, if it has to work, it must be the players because it seems like the coaching is just holding everything back. You know what I'm saying? Well, it is the players. These players have killed a lot of coaches in their careers. They're killing another one. Kruger hasn't been good enough. But here's the other thing, Ron. Yeah, they need to bring a coach in here. But if you're going to hire an established coach, you're going to hire Boudreaux or Gallant or Julian, if one of them even want the job, I would assume with the three, Boudreaux would be the most interested since he wants to get back in and may not necessarily have his choice. Well, they're going to want four or five-year deals at big money. If you fire Kruger tomorrow, you owe him $6 million. I can't imagine the Pagulas then going out and hiring another coach at big money. I think you're going to get a coach – who's going to make a lot less, maybe even a college coach at some point. I just don't think you're going to get that kind of big money. I was afraid you were going to say Mike Babcock for a second. No. I get that that on Twitter all the time. They're going to hire Babcock. I'm like, do you people not remember what Babcock did to them in 2015? He took their $50 million offer and gave it to Brendan Shanahan and said, can you do something like this? And took it and went to the Leafs. So there's no way the Pagulas are going down that road with Mike Babcock again. No chance. Not and he didn't I, last in Toronto at all for whatever reason. I always said, but just what I always said about him too was in Detroit, he was given, he took over a team that was already established and winning. And when no good players started retiring left and right, that team started going downhill and he got out of Dodge. So I, I, I don't, I don't know how great of a coach he ever really was. He just happened to be given a team. I always well, thought that point seasons. He did have 100-point seasons in Toronto. They just didn't win in the playoffs. You know, the funny part, people talk about Boudreaux. What's Boudreaux's reputation? Oh, he's terrible in the playoffs. He can't win game seven. And it's true. He's been terrible in the playoffs and can't win game seven. Wouldn't you like to get to game one of the playoffs some year? Screw game seven. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter here. He won a cup, right? Boudreaux did not win a cup. Boudreaux got to the – Conference finals a few times. He didn't. Who was the Capitals coach? Was that Trotz? The Capitals coach was Barry Trotz in twenty. Okay. All right. All right. I remember we. I believe he was the head coach when Nashville when they were during their expansion years, and he was dreadful their first four. Obviously, their first four or five years. Expansion team, and you you know Nashville was patient. They they said, you know what? Hey, we're not. He's. It's not like oh, he's terrible. We're gonna fire him after his third year. I believe he didn't have a winning record until I think he's like fifth or sixth season in Nashville. I mean, granted, Vegas wasn't as patient with Galan, even though they were an expansion team and. You know, they fired him. I think it was his third season. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't understand why they got rid of Galant so fast. They were still really good. So something happened there. Yeah, yeah. something happened is they lost to the Sabres. That's why I got rid of Galant. Remember, they lost to the Sabres, and they went to Ottawa, and they fired Galant on the road trip. And the funny part, people talk about Boudreaux. Remember what happened to Boudreaux at the Capitals? The Capitals quit on him. He got fired two days after he got blown out in Buffalo 5-1 to one, and a night Ovechkin and Backstrom were both minus four. We do that to players. Uh, what about the fly Hitchcock? We did that too after we beat him nine to one. And uh, John Hines in New Jersey last year after he got beat seven to one, he got fired. It's unexplainable. Like, <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Uh, we we talked a lot about Kruger here. Let's talk about the players here. Is Jack done here? 
I mean, is, is his mind gone? Whether he's probably not going to trade this year or next year, but is there any – I don't know. I never had a person – I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys are – like, you know, do you feel like this is being blown out of proportion, that he really wants to win here, or do you think he's gone? I think like, he's, he's disgusted. We know that. He's not happy. And you know what I say to that? Too bad. You signed your long-term $10 million deal. Now, if he goes to them and says, I want out, I want to trade, it really has to happen this offseason because his no-movement clause kicks in next year. So if the Sabres have to entertain trade offers for Jack Eichel, they can get all 31 teams involved this summer. Next year, Jack can nix half the league and cut down the potential market for his services with the Sabres. So I think at least if Jack goes to them this summer and says, I want out, they're kind of stuck having to at least see what they can do. But to me, you blew a year and a half of this franchise's history intentionally to get Connor McDavid. You got Jack Eichel, and now you're just going to throw away. And what are you going to get? I say this all the time to people. You know, the Rangers, the New York media is out of their minds. Oh, the Rangers are going to have to trade Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad for Jack Eichel? You know, the Rangers would have to start with Lafreniere and go to Adam Fox. You know, I mean, the Bruins, the Boston media is insane. The Sabres are never trading Jack Eichel to Boston, right. ever. Or ever. Montreal. I go, I, that, yeah, I was going to say, what, are you going to trade him in the division and then see him a bunch no. of times? You're going to trade him to L.A. You're going to trade him to the Western Conference, get him as far away as possible. And you're going to tell LA, L.A., it starts with Quinton Byfield, and then we go from there. That's where it's going to start. But you know what? Maybe Jack is invigorated by another coach. I don't know. You know, we haven't had a chance yet to ask him recently. To me, if he's hurt, get off the ice. Get off the ice. Get putting up points though. He's starting to look better. He's starting to look better. So I he's starting. He's putting up points. He's he's yeah. not putting up points at five on five. He's got two goals. He's yeah. clearly not a hundred percent. His shot is not there. His skating's yeah. okay. If he's hurt, get off the ice. If you're not playing well because you're mad, you're frustrated. You're the captain. Yeah. You're the captain. Suck it up. It's not like he's going to sabotage his trade value if he sits. We know how he can play with. Him. He might sabotage his trade value more by playing this way. <laughs> Which I don't think he's playing that way on purpose. I mean, I think he's giving it all, but I thought, you know, I might play hockey for the year. I just can't what? imagine no one not giving it their all. I, I don't know. I, I just, what? Have you I been watching the games? Yeah, but that's why I think he's he's ailing. He's, you're right. He's on a Sunday skate half the time. Yeah, I think he's ailing. He can't, he can't possibly, because if he's healthy, Ron. If he's problem. healthy playing like this, that's a real problem. That is a real problem. That's why I believe he's he's I think he's hurting and he's trying to get through it. But uh I think Saturday, uh Saturday, Thursday game. I what's game was the five two score versus Islanders? Anyways, it was Thursday's oh, game. I felt, I know. Thursday, I thought that was the best he looked skating wise. I thought he really was taken off in the first period. Um yeah. and and then all of a sudden, you know, it, so and I felt like on the weekly, so he started to come back a little bit. But so Ted, let me ask you. You look at this roster right now. I personally believe there's enough talent on this team to do something. You know, goaltending, Allmark got hurt when he was starting to really play good. So he can only put so much on goaltending, though. I mean, these guys are both backups. And the defense is whatever that is. But the but there's enough talent on this team that a coach can come in and say, I, I can win with this. You know, we'll, we'll take Akposo, we'll move him out, we'll bring Rusalane, and then we'll leave Mitz, we'll Mitz in. We'll do whatever we got to do. Yeah. But – I think, Ted, asking you right now, do you think there's enough talent on this team with a few slight moves and the right proper coaching with the right proper usage 
this is a better team than what we're seeing than what we're getting. A thousand percent. This team has lost what is it, nine, eleven, ten, twelve? I mean, yeah, this isn't an elite roster. There are a couple issues here and there. COVID didn't help, but this is there's no way this is the 31st best roster in the NHL. I have a really hard time thinking that. This team is putting up points at a similar pace to the 2017-2018 season. That was the first season under Phil Housley. And that was a team that had three forwards who did not play a single game in the NHL after that season. That's multiple defensemen on that team who were out of the league, essentially out of the league after that season. There was there was so much more talent on this team than under the Phil Housley teams. And yet they're running at the, you know, the point pace is essentially the same, which tells you what? The players are playing worse. The coaching is worse. One of those two things is true. I think when you look at this roster at the beginning of the season, we said, okay, this is a staff. But funny things can happen. You know, obviously, like, you know, Boston, Boston, Toronto, or not Toronto, but like, you know, Boston is good. Pittsburgh is good, whatever. But one of these teams is not going to be as great as we think that they will be. You know, there's variance in the NHL. There's parity. For most organizations, there's parity. You can luck your way into the playoffs at least once every 10 years. So going into this thing, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, maybe they contend for that fourth spot. But they're not even close. They're 12, 13 points out of it. And we're yeah. like a third of the way through the season. It is incredible how just how much they have sputtered in the last month or so. But, like, like there's Paul and there's Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner is pretty good at scoring goals. And Victor Olsen is lethal on the power play. Sam Reinhardt is good. And Dylan Cousins looks nice. And Casey Middlestat much improved, even though he's occasionally getting scored. I just need, like, six seven pretty good forwards and they're putting like they're putting up the same amount of points as when they had freaking Luke Adam like getting major minutes it's it's Luke Adam I was was thinking more like Zenon Kanapka the guy (laughs) with the rabbit you know but you're right I mean Ron this this there's no chance this is the worst team in the NHL there's none so the players are underachieving we know that but geez if it's the worst team in the NHL it's got to be bad coaching it's impossible it's impossible this is the worst team in the NHL. Look at Ottawa's roster. They got some nice kids. Look at Detroit's roster. Look at Anaheim's roster. How are the Sabres behind these teams? It's impossible. Ottawa. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's unreal at this point. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, no, just joking or dead. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I was pro tank. Uh once that season was going down, I was. I mean, I was like, oh, let's just get the all right, fine. We're gonna lose. We're gonna. Do, I'll. I'll just go for it. Okay, I'll be a fan. And I just watched the games, but I didn't. Just didn't. It was hard. It was hard, Mike. I know you're totally against that, and that that's fine. We all had our different opinions on that. And then we got Eichel, and I was like, okay, this is great. And we had like an 80 point season. I believe it was 80 points the first year under Dan Bylsma, and you know, 81. And then 79 the next year, and I was shocked they got fired so quick. I think they gave up on uh, Tim Murray a little bit quick. I, I, you know, I don't know if they fired him because he liked to talk uh, uh, at 716 on Friday nights and just talk like he's having a beer with friends, which actually was great to listen to him. But, uh, you know, he was like, hey, look, I take the Titans players. Now we're going to bring you Ryan O'Reilly. We're going to bring you uh, Kane. We're going to bring in players here. And we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to trade away some picks and stuff. That I, You know, Leonard, we're going to bring these guys in and get this turned around quickly. And it almost started to work. And I wonder, you know, I said this last week. And, Mike, I'll ask you this question. And, Ted, you can jump in on that after. I brought this up last week. I, I said I think the mistake was made when they fired Regeer and Ruff. And the reason, and I know it's funny you said that and said, well, they're here for so long. Regeer came out and said, listen, it's going to get rough for a little while here. 
So I took it as, okay, they're putting him in charge of doing this. He's done it once before. He After 99, he you know, kind of built that little muckler, but he took over. And then we were junk for the early 2000s, you know, and then all of a sudden the lockout happened. Then they come back, and we were one of the best teams in hockey, and then the following the best team in hockey. But Regeiro did that with Rob. Those two did that. And they were more like a tandem than a, a GM coaching. They were like, and maybe that's the people that's trying to get back to. But why would you sit there and have press conferences saying, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you, we're rebuilding this thing. It's going to get ugly for a little while. And then I don't know how quickly he was fired after that, but it didn't, didn't seem very long. He didn't get much well, of a chance to do here, it. Here's what to look at. Regeer and Rough shelf life had ended. And keep in mind, the, the suffering press conference was in April. Regeer was not fired till November, seven months later. Their shelf life had expired. It was time. The real problem in this organization was twofold. Obviously, one thing that blew up in their face, which we don't need to get into ad nauseum, was the O'Reilly trade. Everybody knows it. But the big thing to me that they got wrong here was you forget the first year with Eichel, they improved by 27 points. They went from 54 to 81. They were ready to go. To me, this thing got off the rails when they let the players run Dan Bilesma out. And the players didn't like Bilesma that much. Players didn't like Scotty Bowman either. And they let the players, the Pagulas let the players run a Stanley Cup coach out. Murray did not want to fire Bilesma. And he needed one more year to fix the defense, and he really thought they could get somewhere. They told Murray Bilesma had to go. Murray said, I'm not doing it, and they got rid of Murray too. And to me, that's where it went off the rails because the players then knew they were in charge, and these players are killing another coach. Now, maybe Kruger deserves to be killed, but they're killing another coach. They have stopped playing for another coach just like they stopped playing for Housley, and Eichel denied it that night in Long Island. It's not Phil. We're on the ice. They stopped playing for Housley. This organization went off the rails when they got rid of Murray and Bilesman. I don't know. We'll never know if it was going to work. But here's the other thing. I'm obviously the most ardent anti-tanker out there just about. And even I could admit this probably should have worked. Even when they didn't get McDavid, they got Eichel. This probably should have worked. They had enough talent being built around Eichel, some veterans, young guys, and they screwed it up. And that's the problem here. They were ready to go. They improved by 27 points in Eichel's first year. It would have only taken them from 81 to about 95, 96 the next year to get into the playoffs, and it never happened. They were there. They were on the right path. They short-circuited it, and they've never caught up since. Full disclosure to both of you guys, I'm sure Mike knows this. I actually did not live in Buffalo until 2017 when I showed up the first day that I covered the Buffalo Sabres in 2017 was the first day of camp after Phil Hasley had hired. So everybody was saying how excited they were to play in this new system and defensemen can go up the ice and play fast. Jack Eichel was talking about, oh, it's a you know, fresh start. It's a clean slate for everybody, which I feel like was his passive-aggressive way of, way of just saying, I hate Dan Bilesma. I don't like him, and I'm glad that he's gone. <laughs> and I, it's just it, it's just funny just how many things have, have gotten wrong just in the I'm here. You give a first round pick for Robin Leonard, and granted, uh, I believe it was Colin White was that first round pick. It's not like he's become this incredible player, but you know, giving up a first round pick for a goalie, and then Robin Leonard doesn't play that great here, and then he leaves, and he's a you know he's a Vezina contender with the Islanders, with the Blackhawks, with the, the Vegas, everywhere he goes. You know, you get rid of Brian O'Reilly, and he flourishes outside of Buffalo. You know. You get well, he was he was good here, and he was good in Colorado. He was. He's, he's just a different story. I want to. Anyway, yeah. get rid of Evander Kane in the first round pick you get for him. I believe that was the pick that was conveyed for Brandon Montour, 
And yeah, you're not getting a first round pick for Brandon Montour right now. No. Uh, no, you're no. not. No. Going back to the trade though, uh, for you said we went to Colin White. I believe I think it's well known they would have taken the goalie Samson off, so they wouldn't have taken Colin White anyways. I've heard that enough. I really know. I don't know, Mike. You might know better about that. It may sound like they were going to take a goalie in that spot. They were going to take Samson off. Yeah. They would have ended up with Samson off instead of Lukanen. And yeah. the, the Evander Kane pick, Winnipeg ended up taking Jack Roslovic, who then they traded to Columbus in the Dubois trade. But yeah, they would have had Samson off instead of Lukanen. And, you know, whatever. The Leonard yeah. thing, the Leonard thing bothers a lot of people. The Leonard thing doesn't bother me if Leonard becomes your longtime starting goalie. And he played. He had one really good year here. He had one injury plagued year. We know how it ended for Leonard here. And props to him for resuscitating his life and his hockey career, but mostly his life. Yeah. And sometimes those things just happen to players. That was one of those things where it was a good try. Again, I don't mind. I, I haven't never minded the first round pick for a goalie thing. If you ended up getting a starting goalie for several years, it just didn't happen. Right. Voodoo. They're just so just so hard to predict. I mean, you could take a goalie. You know. Like Lukanen was a second round pick in what 2017, and you know his limited time in Rochester, he's he has not looked that great this season, at least early on. I haven't really looked at his numbers lately, but early on he did not have a great start, and they're just so raw and so weird and hard to evaluate that I see people on my timeline saying, "Oh, play Lukanen in the NHL, what could go wrong?" And a lot of things could go wrong. <laughs> people say, "Oh, it can't get worse." Hutton giving up five goals. Yeah. Oh, like the Dustin Cook. Dustin Tokarski could give up seven goals. I don't know. Yeah. Ted, how long have you been a Saber fan? Well, I mean, I don't, man, so I've been I've been covering the team off and on for about four years now, and okay. I try to believe that if you're covering the team, you should not be a fan of the team. Right. I I meant like how long? Okay, but before you know, in Buffalo, we've always had great goaltending, really from the beginning. And uh, we got Miller and Fitzgerald, but it always seemed like goaltending was never really an issue in the city from the beginning of our history uh, until, like, really the last few years, maybe 2001, 2002, after Hasek left. I, I can't remember who was our goalie then, Mike, maybe do. But, to see, but for the most part, we've had great goaltending or really good goaltending, you know, and Hasek, of course, great. We always we never – goaltending is never an issue. Now it's an issue, but uh, – you know, I just wanted to bring that up when you say, you know, about a goal. We're, you know, if anything, we've never had a worry, but just really the last few years. And the last time we had really good goaltending, we kept trading them off because they were too good and we couldn't keep losing for the tank. So, you know, I mean, go all the way back to 1970. You could, you could yep. connect the dots yep. all the way from Roger Crozier to Dave Dryden to Jerry Desjardin. Bromley. Uh, going to the Bromley, you can go into the 80s, you can go to, uh, Barrasso and Darren Edwards, Edwards and Sobe in the late seventies. Barrasso, Darren Pupa, yep. Grant Fuhrer to Hashik to Marty Baron to Miller. Literally, you could go from yes. nineteen seventy until you traded Miller in twenty fourteen with solid goals. Yes. And even you're right, Ron. They did trade three goalies who were winning too much in 2015. Yeah. But now all of a sudden for six, seven years, goaltending has been a real question in this organization. And they got a lot of eggs in Lukanen's basket. If that kid doesn't come through as a top-notch goalie, now you're waiting for Eric Patillo to come out of Michigan, who looks good, but he's certainly in his first year. So I don't know what Allmark, they're going to do next year. Allmark found himself a little bit. If he didn't get yep. injured, that sucks. Because yeah, I would like to yeah. know what happened with him. If what are you going to do? Him. What do I you know. do now? Obviously, you're not probably probably not bringing Hutton back. We know that he's 35. What are you going to do with Allmark now as a UFA when he's had long-term injuries two years in a row? Yeah. 
You could I don't know. Durability could become a question. You mentioned Baran. Mentioned Baran right after <laughs> hash. Okay. All right. right. Okay. Good. I, it's a, we're just a, boy, Ted. You missed all the good times. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> all right. So we got a few minutes here to go. Uh, Ted, we'll go with you first. Oh, go ahead, Ted. You got something to say? No, I say I remember at the end of my, uh, I think it was the end of my first season where it was, it was Robin Leonard and Chad Johnson was the goalie tandem, and Chad yeah. Johnson basically said during locker cleanout that if he knew that this season was like this, he would not have signed in Buffalo. Right, <laughs> brutal to hear a guy say that during locker cleanout, but yeah, um, you know that was that was overshadowed by a certain center saying he had lost his love of the game, so no one no one really talked about it. Right. All right. So Ted, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, we'll go Ted first. What's next? I think the next thing for this team is they have to not only get rid of the head coach. I think that's a given. I think they need to take a hard look at this roster and say, what are the chances that we can contend in the next two, three years? Because if they if they don't think this team is one year away, is two years away from at least being a seven seed, give these guys a little bit of playoff experience to build off of, then you really got to think about trading Jack Eichel. And if you trade Jack Eichel, you are admitting that this team is at least three years away. I think you just got to strip this down to the anybody not – younger than 23 years old should be on the market. Anyone who's under 23 should also be on the market. I mean, you look at your Dylan Cousins, your Rasmus Dahlin, not going to say they're untouchable because if somebody offers, I don't know, three firsts for Dahlin yet. Right. You really got to take a hard look at this roster and you got you have to make, you, you got to be honest with you. You got to say, is this team more than three years away? I know Mike Harrington's burying his face in his hands. I can't wait to see. How are you? I, I, I can't even fathom the thought. I can't even, and I know it's possible. I can't fathom the thought that this team is going to rebuild. That they're going to tear this down. You can't rebuild what you haven't built. After yeah, that what have they built? For one thing, you rebuild after you get old, and your Stanley Cup window closes, like Chicago, like Nashville is going to have to do, like Pittsburgh's close to do. They haven't won anything. They haven't even made the playoffs. The thought of tearing it down again, I just like like. I'm breaking out in hives even thinking about it. This is why I was happy because I'm I'm kind of in the same camp as you, where it's like at this point, just get just get to the playoffs, just get a, a round of playoff experience. I don't care if you get swept. This is why I was pretty happy when they traded for Wayne Simmons last year because you know they were on the borderline. It's like all right, let's bring in a veteran. He's got some playoff experience. Yeah. You know Wayne Simmons isn't going to be like incredible for you, but you know maybe he just gives you just enough to kind of help you kind of limp to the finish line. Be an eight seed, get Jack some playoff experience, because at least that'll make him happy. Because these these guys could all use playoff experience. Because so many guys on this team, all they know is losing. Carolina oh. was drafted almost a decade ago, and all he's done is lose every single season in Buffalo. He just loses. It's just, oh, I know. And if, if, now if Buffalo, up... oh, if, if Buffalo would have played Montreal last year on the last night, two hours before they cut the season, we beat them. We would have been in that playing round. I will not call that first round playoffs because it's not. It was a playing round. It was a qualifying round to qualify for the playoffs. But imagine that. What a difference it would have been. We wouldn't have been the laughing stock of, oh, yeah, they got 24 teams, so we find a way to miss. And it you would have been bet? kind of great. You want to you bet? You want to bet? Why did they go to 24 teams, Ron? To get Montreal and Rangers in there. To get Montreal and Chicago in there. You saying if we would have beat Montreal, we would have said they would have done it differently? It would have not, done. Did not get Jack Eichel in the playoffs? It would have been. It wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have done that for the Buffalo Sabres. That was done to accommodate the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks, period. 
Also, Ron, bless your heart for operating under the assumption, oh, if the Sabres play that game that night and they win. Because who says they win? Maybe they lose that game 6 nothing. They were on No, a I had them winning. I had them winning. No, they were lost 5-2. Yeah, right. <laughs> they lose every game 5-2 now. All right. All right, Mike, you're up. What's next? Besides Kruger going. Well, if you say what I think is going to happen and what should happen might be different things. What should happen is – Kruger should get fired Wednesday morning. You're not going to fire him now. We don't lose. We don't lose tomorrow. Uh, they probably lose tomorrow. The Flyers. They haven't scored a goal against the Flyers the last three games, so they're not going to beat the Flyers tomorrow. Kruger gets fired Wednesday. I don't know who they replace him with, but then you really have the decision. To me, the bigger decision is going to be direction, who the coach is long term, and what the long term plan is formulated by Kevin Adams. Do they have to trade Jack? Does Jack say no, Moss? Get me out of here. Do they get rid of Sam Reinhardt, who actually probably has a lot of value right now the way he's played this year? Um, you're going to get rid of Eric Stahl at the deadline. You're probably going to get rid of Taylor Hall at the deadline, convince him to go somewhere. You know, what do you do with Ristolainen? Do you re-sign McCabe now, now that he shredded his knee? What do you do in goal? They have a lot of decisions here to make, and you're right. The only thing Ted is right, Ted is right. the only thing I see is probably a total rebuild again. And who buys a season ticket for this? Who goes to the games this year? Well, well, this year, I think they're going to get 300 people at some of these games. I think yeah. the Penguins fans will come for the Penguins. But I think if they open the building on the wrong game, it'll be embarrassing. You'll have 300 people there. But <clears throat> what are they going to do next year? I mean, really? Uh, does their season ticket base go to 4,000 or 5,000? I, I don't this know. This is worse than, uh, than uh, when uh, we were in bankruptcy. I mean, it's, is- it's, it's absolutely the darkest time in this franchise. Since the 2002-2003 bankruptcy era, and it could get worse. And if you remember, yeah. you remember, Ron, there were nights, there were seven, 8,000 people in the building yeah, in 2003. Yeah. We, can, we can get there again. I mean, it wasn't long ago. Someone on Twitter was saying, oh, reportedly the Pooks are going to sell the Sabres. And all I saw was jubilation and glee for about nine minutes until a few reporters, um, Mike, I believe you may have been one of them, said, uh, this is nonsense. You guys are all just huffing paint. Step away. Stop. All right. That's funny because this just came in. Is there any truth to the room that the Blues are either selling or seeking help? Maybe bringing on, um, I don't, not Larry Quinn, but a guy like him where he'd own part of the team. And, you know, there's 17 or 14 Nashville owners. I no. mean, maybe they're doing something no. like that. No. There's no truth to the rumor. And it was a good lesson for people to learn to vet their sources. If no one covering the Sabres says the Pagulas are selling the team part of the team and some clown who runs a blog and covers high school sports comes out with some breaking news, maybe people should be suspicious about its origin and about its validity. It's a good lesson for people to learn. Just because you read it on Twitter does not make it true. And we learned right away with like each of us, about four reporters, with about one or two phone calls, found out it was a bunch of crap, and that's the best word I could use for it. And I think people should learn a lesson from that. I think it's just like uh, Ted said. We were just looking for some good news somewhere. I don't want them selling the team. I don't. I believe they want to win. I just think they don't know how. But you sell a team, you, you take a chance of losing them altogether. Uh, oh, Mike, a compliment for you. Mike seems chiller in video than Twitter because you try to read tone. You can't read tone. All right, last. Go ahead, oh, one, one, one thing I want to say about that. Yeah. People – People would not believe the stuff I would write if this team was in the Stanley Cup final. They would say, what's up with Mike? He's such a good guy. People, I'm just a mirror. 
I'm a mirror of what's going on. Yes. If you win, you get praise. In 2007, one of the big subplots in the Eastern Conference Final was why from people in Ottawa was why are the Buffalo news writers such a bunch of homers? Yeah, we're you're just not, you're, you're right. Right, That's you're more. Uh, you're not. You write for the team. You see. You do what you say. You know. You're not a fanboy. And that you know. And so there's true source in your writing. It probably goes for both of you. Uh, Mike is telling the truth. All right, I got one more question here, and I I asked you that the other day, Mike, on the side, but uh, either of you can take this one. Do you believe Adams has? He says, "Huh? Do you believe Adams when he says he has 100% power to fire the coach?" We're going to find out in the next three days. If Ralph Kruger is still the coach Thursday morning at the morning skate, Kevin Adams does not have the power to fire him. Because if Kevin Adams thinks Ralph Kruger should stay in his job by Thursday morning, then Kevin Adams can't be the GM. That's a whole different problem. That's a whole different problem. But if, if Ralph Kruger's still the coach Thursday morning, Kevin Adams does not have the power to fire him because the Pagula said we're not paying. It sounds like a fire. It almost is like if you were a real GM, you know, you have all the powers of a normal hockey GM. You could say, does this head coach give us the best chance to win? And how much do I have to pay him to go back to Germany is irrelevant. It's just what is the best thing for these players, for their development, for, I don't know, maybe string together. Like you said, Mike, I mean, you're if you fire Kruger today or next week or in three weeks, you still have to pay him back. Right. He, he's on the hook. It's about three and a half to four million dollars. So you have to pay him next year. His contract runs through next year. You have to pay him the rest of this year. So roughly you're talking, you know, between five and six million dollars is going to be owed to Ralph Kruger if you fire him tomorrow or Thursday. Um, somebody said the question of why wait till Wednesday? They have a game tomorrow in Philly. You're not going to fire him tomorrow on a game day. You should have fired him 10 days ago. But if you got him now, that's why I say wait till Wednesday. The game tomorrow, you're not going to fire him on a game day. You'll fire him after the last game of the road trip. And Wednesday's an off day. They're coming home. You can have meetings and whatever you need to do. That's why I say Wednesday would be the day. I thought they should have left him in Long Island, have him take the LIR to Newark Airport, get a flight out, whatever. But if it, I mean, how much money do they save if they, let's say they fired Kruger tomorrow? After the game, they lose five to two. They're terrible. They say, "Okay, get out." Two. How much? And, and then Steve Smith is the interim just for the rest of the year, and then they try to get a real coach next year because it's going to be really hard to get a new coach. You got to quarantine, whatever. Do they really? Do, they? I don't think they save that much money if they fire Kruger tomorrow than if they wait till the end of the season to fire Kruger. They don't save any money. They still have to pay him. They still. Have to, so you still have to pay him. So the difference is merely in your players. Financials should have nothing to do with it because it's not like is Steve Smith going to get a raise if he becomes the interim coach? No, the issue is the issue then is next year when you hire a quote unquote real coach, you're paying the real coach and you're paying Kruger his four million next year. That's the problem here. They are they are in the pandemic. They have lost so much money. They're already paying Botterill. They're paying maybe they're paying Randy Sexton and Greeley still. Maybe they paid them off. You know, they just don't want to be paying people not to be the coach or GM anymore. And this, understand, was never, ever thought of. They never thought of a possibility they would need to hire another head coach this year. And I understand why. Right. So this is shocking to them. And they don't want to be paying four to five, six million dollars for a guy not to work. Now, is it Bottero because he has a job now? They don't, once they get hired, that's it. They don't, they're off the payroll, right? 
that, you know, everything's different with the contract. That's not always the way. That's the way it is sometimes with college basketball coaches. Football. You know, it depends sometimes. Did Botterill take a lump sum payout? Did he not? Like Tim Murray was on the payroll until last June. You know, so every contract's a little different. There's a lot okay. of disclosure agreements signed. and You know, but they just they, – they, this is such a, a boondoggle right now. I just want to see. we The answers to some of these questions are going to be real crystallized when we walk in that building Thursday morning if Ralph Kruger is still a coach. It just makes no sense to get rid of him now. If you wait till the end of the season, you, you don't save money. No. But, but you have to get rid of him now if you want to get anything out of these players. Yeah. And next year, if – you hire a, a coach. Say they get a bottle or a glass. Say like you get the bottle or bottle cheese. Uh, Boudreaux. You get Boudreaux a glass. You get a coach. Everyone's excited about. You're filling that building for a little while. You come back with this coach. You're losing money there. You, you see, you make more money if there's people in the stands, and you make the you know, owners only make money in hockey when they make the playoffs. And that's why I try to tell people don't act like they don't want to win because they know the only profits they make will come if they make the playoffs. So you know, no, they don't care about the my. Sorry, here we go. They do not care, folks. Who, if you're watching, they don't care more about the Bills than the Sabers. Okay, they care about them both. Kim Pagula was on a football show today because it's International Women's Day. So don't complain. That, oh, look, she cares more about the Bills. Okay. Sometimes you got to step back and say, hey, she's you know that's what she's doing. Okay. She's present. People say we don't want them. We don't want their fingers in the thing, but we want to hear from them. And then when you hear from them, oh well, she didn't say no. Well, we knew what she was going to say. Well, then why do you want to hear from? Them? I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, prediction time. If they are fired, if they're fired on Wednesday, who is behind the bench on Thursday, Mike? I mean, you know, Jay McKee, Jay McKee, say it. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what's the point of that? I, I think, I think to me, you just roll out Granado or Smith and get through the season. See if, see if they catch a little more lightning in a box. Granado is the guy. Who's run the power play, and they are number three of the league in the power play this year. And he did, about here's Smith? the thing: he came down, he came down from the stands. They got him off the bench when COVID hit because of his conditions. Right. They brought him down out of the stands the last couple games. So my antenna is up about the fact he's back on the bench. That were they setting it up for him to be the replacement for Kruger? Real quick question, Ted. I'll go to you next. Real quick, uh, Mike. I'm Mike Smith. He gets a. I'm not Mike Smith. Steve Smith. He gets a bad rap here. But how much is the coaching of Kruger making giving him a bad rap? Because he played on the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the infamous Calgary goal. But he played on. Uh, he knows that's his hockey. Is Kruger hurting him? I think he might be because C. Smith was here last year. How is he? Right, the first year of Darlene was C. Smith here. Right, that and was, Darlene was fine. Yeah, so you, I mean, but but Steve Smith knew Kruger from Edmonton. I, I you know he won three cups. Um, doubt, but like I said, Darlene's regressed terribly. Jogi Howard's regressed, and McCabe and Ristolainen have been very good. So Smith or Kruger, though? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to blame Smith for Darlene, you've got to give him some credit for Ristolainen and McCabe. That's all I'm saying. But you could also blame him for Colin Miller and Brandon Montour, could you not? Well, you could blame a lot of people for Colin Miller and Brandon Montour, let me tell you. Yeah, Miller's not good. So, all right, uh, Ted, who do you think is behind the bench come Thursday, if not Kruger? I would think Steve as head coach. As head, I think just yeah. Steve Smith makes the most sense. I think it's going to be really hard to get someone to a jump on the Sabers train just this season. It's a sinking ship. Nobody wants to hop in on B because of COVID. The two week protocol, the two week quarantine, I think just makes things really difficult. I mean, if you're you know Gerard Gallant or you know any of these guys, do you really want to just you know sit on your hands for two weeks watching these these terrible Sabers games? Watching them lose five two every single game, and then you hop aboard and you've got thirty games to implement your system or whatever. I mean, 
I How think, do you know they're not already in quarantine? I mean, they could be. I mean, yeah. I, I, Hamilton brought that up today. He said, for all he knows, they could be. Paul Hamilton also talked about um, Granado saying, if Kruger goes, Granado might not want to stay. And I, I'm thinking, why? I mean, why would he not? Why, if he say he'd be head coach the rest of the year, do you think he'll quit because Kruger left? Right. And the other thing is, if, if they have someone in quarantine, that'd be bad. That'd be really bad. I mean, I get it. I get that'd be really a savage move, but that would really be low if someone was sitting in quarantine for two weeks watching Kruger just get strung out. I just think a lot of these big names are going to wait. They're going to wait to see what Seattle's going to do for a coach. They're going to wait to see what Nashville is going to do for a coach. They're going to wait to see if David Quinn gets fired in New York before they jump at the Buffalo Sabres job, which is going to be there anyway, probably in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, all right. And my final question for both of you is, and it just went out of my head for a second. Hold on a minute. Oh, shoot. Um, gosh, it was a good one. I forgot. Oh, well, that happened. It was going, and I was going to say, well, my question was. Well, it um, couldn't have been that good, Ron, if you didn't remember it. No, it was good. It was, um, put four. Gosh, I never forget. Still haven't won a game. Was what that? Say that? It'll be. The next question that you think of, that we'll, we'll we'll do it during our next episode that we take three weeks from now, and the Sabres still have that will not have won a game in that three oh. weeks. Oh, wait. I forgot I was going to. They right haven't here. won a game in three. I know Jeremy White tweeted that March stat this morning. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Ted, did you see that? No. What was that? Twenty-four March games in a row now, going back to 2018 with a win. I don't know if it was in or home, but against Predators, so I think it was like seven to four. We have not won a regulation game in March in 24 straight March games now, dating back to 2018. Tomorrow could be a meaningful game in March. <laughs> for I mean, yeah, it would be meaningful for Ralph Kruger. Maybe his last game as a head coach ever. Uh, and, I, I, and, and somebody asked in the chat, Ron, does Kruger stay if they win tomorrow? I don't think tomorrow's result makes any difference. Yeah. Oh, win, I win, don't or think right. win or lose, I think uh, – yeah, I, I I think if the I think the decision's been made either way, right? And if Kruger's behind the bench on Thursday, he's here the rest of the year. I think. I, I mean, why would he be? You know, and you know, and God, I wish I remember my question. It was really good. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. It was a good question, but I just can't remember now. I know it was going to be about Granado. Um, if he if uh, if what if he actually wait? Well, okay, Granado say he comes in and coaches. And he does really well. I wonder if they would just keep him next year. But oh, um, yeah, obviously. if he did well, sure. Whether it's Granado or Smith, if they is got he experience, job, they could be a candidate. Absolutely. Granado, like, does he have experience in that? Yeah, not not. Neither one of them have experience to be an NHL head coach. It would kind of just be a stopgap measure in my mind, unless the team really somehow took off. Yeah. But talked about running a lean operation last year. I remember that was the word. <laughs> Leaner operation, you pretty have lean. Interim, who you know, who's already on staff, you can save money like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think Sabretooth should be the coach because I think that it would be just better. Just be as better long as it's not DJ Milk. Ah, uh, your buddy. Milk, <laughs> take third grade. Hey, Mike said I know how to get rid of DJ Milk. <laughs> have a pandemic. No, I'm just kidding. All right, all right, gentlemen. Any final words from you, real quick? Thursday morning. Let's see Thursday who. Thursday morning. Thursday oh. morning, see who's there for the morning skate. Oh, DJ no. Mike, I think you meant DJ Milk for coach, and that came up just before you said it. So, 
Man, I'll tell you, good. Let's see here. We got we can compliments here. Good show, boys. Great info. I see things a lot differently now. And everyone, just so you know, I always see the numbers of how many are watching at one time, and no one's watched, stayed this long in my show, this high of numbers. So, which is great. So, I really appreciate everybody watching. Um, you know, um, I love some comments out because, you know, there are some people that just have something to say all the time through. Um, and <laughs> hey, hey, don't say that about me. I'm kidding. All right. And Ted, it was really great meeting you. Any final words? You want to give yourself a plug, your Twitter handle? So I'm on Twitter at Ted Goldberg TV. Um, not quite as informational as Mike, but I make some pretty good memes. Some of them are funny. Some of them are really good. <laughs> I well, where were you before? I'm like the Adam Dunn of memes. You know, I'll have three or four really dumb ones, and then I'll have one awesome one. I hate <laughs> memes. I hate them. What a, uh, where were you before, Ted? Sorry? Where were you before Buffalo? I was in uh, Syracuse. Oh, so like you're from the area. Oh, yeah. I've kind of bounced okay. around. I've seen all of the great cities in the wonderful state of New York. Well, I actually went to school in Syracuse a thousand years ago, and then I worked in Binghamton for about a year, worked in Syracuse for a couple of years, and I've been in Buffalo uh, for about four years now. So you, uh, Jeremy White, and Sal Capaccio probably have like a little party going on once in a while, right? Because you're all the Syracuse alum, I believe. Yeah. Right? Thank you for saying Syracuse alum and not Newhouse alum, because I know some of us say, oh, I went to Newhouse, and I've always thought that was smarmy. And I've never I wouldn't have done that because I've never heard of the place. That's Newhouse? My, no. last, my last piece of advice is for the Sabres. If you fire Ralph Kruger tomorrow or if you fire him at the end of the season, you don't save money. But you might save the fans by firing Kruger tomorrow. Mike, final words, wraps us up. You know, just everybody's just got to try to get through this season. I hope everybody's being safe, you know, hockey or no hockey. Um, I really think the world and the hockey world and the world in general will be a better place and different come October, come the next season. But, boy, we're basically a year mark of the pandemic now, and the Sabres were in that night in Montreal, and you never thought the Sabres would collapse to this level, and here we are again with another rebuild. And this is going to be an unbelievably fascinating week. The last two have been incredibly weird. This week has the potential to get really weird again. So I'm looking forward to see what happens. All right. Well, hopefully you guys will come back on, but I don't know if I want to do another one of these. <laughs> He's still here. I'm going to start working the second shift. Just so I don't got to watch this stuff. You know what, Sarah, I, I, I have not purposely missed a Saber game since 1979 when i started watching i've had to miss because of work or something but probably you know since i started watching sabers in 79 um i believe buffalo is playing the chicago and then the islanders in the class 79 season i've not missing him willingly saturday was real damn close but um i can't do it because you know i love the team and i know they'll be back so you know all right everybody this has been the ranting around show with my friends Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News. You can follow him at um, by Harrington, right? By Harrington. By M. Harrington. By M. Harrington. And also he got great baseball coverage, which is coming up soon. And uh, he, he covers the Toronto Blue Jays. And it looks like they could be playing in Buffalo this year. I believe, right, Mike? Is that it? They're playing in Buffalo Yeah, this year? as early as May 14th. My, in, my inclination is probably not until June. But we're going to see them here for at least a little while this summer again. All right, and Mike, you're missing the bachelor. We don't know what that means. Um, and uh, Ted is on Spectrum News Sports. Um, welcome to Buffalo, Ted. I'm so glad I got to know you. And hope you guys will come on again. Um, maybe in a few weeks, we'll you know have a, we'll do a, a few people and we'll have a little party. But we'll see what's going on. But I really appreciate you guys coming on. Everybody, this has been the Ranting Around Show. You guys hold on for a minute. 
We will see you. I'll be on Wednesday night. I'll be talking football, and I'm not sure if I'm going to have Derek Burroughs out or not. He's been texting me. He's trying to work out a schedule, but I'll be talking some football or hockey Wednesday. I'm not sure. So, folks, hopefully I see you then, and then I'll be back, obviously, next week for some more hockey talk. Everybody's been a Randy Ron show. Have a great night. Go Sabres. Mm-hmm.